You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, guys? This is the Talk in the Draft podcast. I'm your host, Connor Livesy. Joined by my co-host today, Joey Ikes. Uh, we had the first episode of us together last week talking about some wide receivers, and we're back this week for, I guess you could call it, episode two, talking about some cornerbacks. And those are both positions that the Cowboys uh, are going to be targeting probably early in this draft. Uh, but both positions, uh, I should say, those positions are completely different. The wide receivers are kind of uh, stacked towards the top and then it runs out uh right right around that top 100 but the corners are stacked at the top and they run pretty deep so i'm excited to dive into this uh cornerback position with you today joey but before we get started how are you i'm doing well man i'm excited about this cornerback class like you said it's a it's a very deep class and specifically when you you know we're going to talk about the cowboys a little bit you know um, specifically when you talk about the traits that the Cowboys value in corners, it just feels like the draft is just full of them. Like they could pick one, you know, at 26 overall, or they could pick one in the seventh round and probably feel pretty good about either one just because of the way the traits match up with what they like to do from a defensive standpoint. Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, you mentioned kind of the big, long physical style of corners that Dan Quinn and this team likes to draft, but you know, in my preference, you know, I, some of these guys who aren't, who don't fit that prototype, I like too. So there's just, there's from the big, long, strong guys to the short, quick, twitched up slot guys. Like there's just this, if you need a cornerback, if you're a fan of a team that needs a cornerback in this draft, you're in luck because you can get one, like Joey said, in round one, round two, round three, round four, round five, round six, round seven. And I mean, feel good about guys in every one of those rounds. And it's not often that you can say that about any position, much less the cornerback position. That's hard. So hard to find guys that can play in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. And just, you know, to give folks an idea of what we're talking about when we say how deep this class is, I've got the PFF draft board pulled up and I use them for this kind of stuff because they have the ability to filter by positions, but makes it really nice and easy to see. So just from the top of the draft, down they have on their first page when you filter by cornerbacks all the way down to their 216th overall cornerback of all of those corners i'm just going to read the heights for the first i don't know five or ten <laughs> six foot six two six two six two six foot six foot six foot five nine six two six foot six two six two 5'10", 6'2", 
510-5-1. And that's all the way down to their 129th ranked player. So that's all the way down through, you know, their fourth almost into their fifth round of worth of corners. That's um that's pretty remarkable for a, a cornerback class to feature that much size, especially when you consider the Cowboys are a team that um that definitely has a size preference, yeah, maybe over any team in the league when it comes to cornerbacks. Yeah, I was gonna cut you off and say it's you say all that, and then I, I look at my rankings, and while he's not my highest rated guy, one of my favorite guys to watch in this class is Travis Tomlinson Hodges out of mm-hmm. TCU, who's 5'9", 177. <laughs> right. Exactly. And the thing is, those guys are fun to watch play, right? Because they're they're always such good athletes. They move so well. It's like the small slot receiver or the small running back that makes guys miss. They're yeah. fun to watch because of how athletic they are and how smooth they move and all that kind of stuff. But the league in general has a preference for size at corner. The Cowboys especially have a preference for size at cornerback. So um, when you talk about the NFL level, uh, those guys that are tall and long, they just squeeze windows and make them really small, especially the more and more zone coverages that these teams are playing in the NFL these days. Um, having that link, that corner, is just a huge deal. It just helps squeeze everything down. Yeah, and a lot of those guys that we're mentioning, you know, that could be available – could be picked at that 26 overall pick are those big, long, you know, bigger physical guys. You know, you got Christian Gonzalez, who that's my top corner in this class right now. Him and Devin Witherspoon, uh, Christian Gonzalez out of Oregon and Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois are my top two guys uh, with Joey Porter right behind them. Um, Gonzalez is 6'2", 200 pounds. Witherspoon is six foot 180. Play, I think he plays bigger than his size um, at Illinois. Maybe it's just because he's so physical and he plays with so much effort um, against the run. But Gonzalez is 6'2", 200. Witherspoon's 6'1", 180. Joey Porter's 6'2", 192. Um, I'm still high on Keely Ringo. I know a lot of people have kind of fallen off of him a little bit, but he's 6'2", 205, and he's projected to run in like the four, the high 4'2s, low 4'3s. While there's things on tape that I think are concerning – athleticism and size absolutely matters at the cornerback position. And he's got both of that and he's got an abundance of both of that. And I think that those traits are worth betting on. Um, then I like Deontay Banks right behind Ringo. He's six one two hundred. 200. Um, so that's kind of my like top five guys. I like Emmanuel Forbes. He's a big dude. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's a bigger dude. Uh, Emmanuel Forbes is, uh, Cam Smith's a bigger dude out of South Carolina. Um, so a lot of those guys in that first round, second round range are big, long guys. So I uh, I think there's going to be somebody there um, for the Dallas Cowboys to draft, for either, whether that's at 26, whether that's at 58, or whether that's a trade back from 26 or a trade up from 58. Uh, so I think they're going to find somebody in that first or second round that they can plug and play in at a uh, corner and pair up with uh, Trayvon Diggs and feel good about. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, you talk about Christian Gonzalez and Devin Witherspoon. Uh, I, I sort of look at guys like that and I go, okay, they're going to be gone before the Cowboys. Play, right. Like we don't have to right. spend a whole ton of time talking about those guys. Right. They're phenomenal players, obviously, or they wouldn't be in this conversation of, Hey, we don't even have to worry about them because they're high on the board. So really it sort of starts with that Joey Porter Jr., you know, Deontay Banks, you know, that sort of group when you talk about the 26th overall pick and when you watch Joey Porter, it's almost um, comical how long this guy is. 
And so he likes to wear, you know, these guys wear these compression sleeves on one or both of their arms. And he'll, he wear, and they wear them, sometimes they wear them all the way up, and sometimes they wear just the half sleeves, like for their forearms. And Joey Porter, when he's in his stance and he's bent over, the compression sleeve that he wears that runs from his wrist to just over his elbow is white. And the Penn State pants are obviously white. And his compression sleeve is longer than his. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. It's crazy. He uh, he is super. I mean, I got those guys bundled up pretty close. Um, like I said, he's he's my third ranked corner right now. But pretty much all those guys are like top 15 dudes for me. Um, I just think Gonzalez, his athleticism is going to make him kind of jump out after the combine, you know, cause he's six to 200 pounds. I think he's going to run really, really fast. He's going to jump really, really high. Um, so's Ringo. So I think he could kind of see a little bit fall back up a Porter as well. Like you said, like his length, his size, his athleticism, he's going to be a guy who te- who's hard. He's going to be a guy who tests really well at the combine too. So I'm excited to see all those guys test at the combine and, and really see how they how they work themselves out post combine because I think so many of those guys are big, long, strong, and athletic, and that's kind of what happens after we get back from Indianapolis is these guys kind of separate themselves into tiers based on their athletic traits that they show in Indy. Yeah, and when we talk about the cornerback position, you mentioned it is that the testing matters for this position. You're operating so much at the cornerback spot out in space. And you're operating against some of, I mean, all these guys are great athletes, but these unbelievable athletes that play wide receiver. And you have a distinct disadvantage that you don't know where they're going. And so you're operating backwards. You've got to be able to turn and run. You've got to be able to do all these things. And to be able to do that, it really, really helps to be just a freakish athlete. And so these guys are going to go to the combine here in a couple of weeks. They're going to do all the testing. They're going to do all the drills, and it will really, as much as some people will want to say, no, it doesn't have an effect, it will have an effect on how these guys should rank out. And we we saw it happen, you know, we'll go back a little bit. We saw it happen with Byron Jones, right, is that he was a guy, he played at UConn. Nobody was really talking about him all that much going into the combine. And then he, you know, breaks the world record for the broad (laughs) jump and, you know, had an unbelievable combine overall. One of the best combine performances ever in the history of the combine. You know, one of the best athletes ever to enter the NFL is Byron Jones, right? And all of a sudden, people go, holy crap, who's this Byron Jones? And they go, watch the tape. And then they go, holy crap, this guy can play, and he's a bona fide great athlete. And the Cowboys pick him, and they messed around with him a little bit (laughs) in terms of position and all that kind of stuff. But then he turns into an all-pro cornerback when he gets the opportunity to play corner. And it, it just shows you that the speed matters, the athleticism matters, and it will sort some of these guys out as we go, as long as we don't count it twice, right? Like the guys who we know are going to run fast when they run fast, we don't bump them up for running fast right? <laughs> because we knew they were going to. But what it will really help us do is it will help us sort out when there's a guy who runs slow just – eliminate that guy from contention. Like you just can't have slow cornerbacks in the NFL and expect to succeed. And yeah. so you you have to meet a certain threshold. And once those guys do that, then you go back to the tape and let it all sort out. I know we haven't sorted through all of these guys yet, but are there any of these guys that you've watched so far where you like the tape and maybe they don't necessarily look slow on tape, but you kind of go, maybe this guy's going to come out and run a four or five 
five and you're going to go crap. Does he go from being a first rounder to a back end of the set? Like, I'll, I'll give you the reason I'm asking you this. Like Deontay Banks is a guy that I love. Like right now I'm like, I'd consider him at 26. Like he's not, he's not a complete guy. He's not your Devin Witherspoon or your Christian Gonzalez, but in the back of my mind watching his tape, I keep going, he might run in the four or fives. And then does that scare me off? Am I, am I then going to over, you know, like you said, don't count the 40 twice, but then am, am I going to, you know, ding him too much post combine because he might not be that four three four four that the Gonzalez, the Porters, the Ringos are going to run. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where he he's an interesting case because the the style, the way he plays defense, he plays off a lot, right? So he's reading and reacting a lot, and you wonder is that because that's just the way their coaches like to play defense, which could be part of it, or it could be hey, the coaches understand that when they put him on the field and run him on a 40, he runs a four five two or whatever. And that there's some of these wide receivers that are going to run by him if he plays up. And so they play him back, let him read and react. And he's really good at it. So it works. And so you just worry about Deontay in that aspect, like you talked about. And the other piece that's, you know, for some people, it's a big deal for other people. It's not for me. It is because I think this skill translates is the ball production. And he's a guy who just doesn't have – and we know the Cowboys value it. We know it's important. And we know, like, we can talk about the Cowboys' defense from – they've been the best turnover-generating defense in a long time over the last two years. And is that sustainable? Is that whatever? And really the only way that it becomes sustainable is if you're continually adding guys into the mix who are that kind of player. All right. So, you know, they had the 2021 season, had all the takeaways. Everybody's like, you know, they're not going to repeat that, whatever, whatever. And then they go out, they add Sam Williams, who's just a splash play machine at defensive end. They add Deron Bland, who makes, I think he wound up with five interceptions as a rookie. And those are the kinds of things you have to continually add to a defense to keep that regression from hitting you. Because guys like Trayvon Diggs are not going to get 11 picks in a season because either He's not going to get the same number of opportunities. The ball's not going to bounce exactly the right way, et cetera. So you, you talk about Deontay Banks, and he's not a guy that necessarily has a ton of ball production. But another guy that, you know, I don't necessarily know how he'll run. That's one thing that I'm not very good at is watching a guy on tape and going, yeah, that's a 4-4 guy. Like, you know, yeah. you get guys who, who have done this a ton for a long time and are so good at, you know, Dane Brugler will be like, that guy looks on tape like a 4-4-5 guy. Right, and then he'll right. go out and run 4-4-3. And, yeah. and you're like, holy crap, how do you do this? And part of that is he's getting information from the school. But right. the other part of it is, you know, the ability to translate that. That's not my strong suit. But I, uh, Emmanuel Forbes is a guy from Mississippi State that has a ton of ball production, but doesn't necessarily get that ball production by being, uh, like, overly aggressive in terms of being a risk taker. Um, and so he doesn't get he doesn't get beat too much for having his eyes in the wrong spot, um, like you might would guess a guy who might be guessing would. Um, and so that's maybe the polar opposite of the same situation is I don't know how he'll run. Maybe he runs in the high four fours. Maybe he runs in the four fives. Maybe he surprises me and runs in the low four fours. But that's a guy that tall, long, played in the SEC. You know he defended a ton of passes in practice because he was uh, because he played at, at uh, Mississippi State and he played a ton of football at Mississippi State. I think he may have had like 
700 plus coverage snaps a year over the last three years. Right. So he's played a ton of football and played against the pass a ton. And the production is just through the roof. That's a guy that it, it's one of those hard things. I think he probably winds up sitting somewhere between 26 and the second, the Cowboys second round pick. Yep. But if they wind up with an opportunity that that's the kind of guy that looks at me and I go, you know, do you want to try to get another Trevon Diggs and another guy with ball skills and big and long? That, that's a guy that I would that I would look at for sure. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge... That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a... 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Yeah, I mean, I f- you kind of mentioned it, but like, I feel like he's the perfect trade back candidate. You know, if you trade out of the first round, whatever that is, or, you know, you draft somebody 26 and then you move up 10 spots to take him, you know, right ahead at 58 in the top 50. Um, I just kind of, I did a PFF mock draft the other day where I traded out of the first, got BJ Ojolari, and then I traded up and got Emmanuel Forbes at like 48 or something like that. And that that's probably kind of the range you're looking at for him. Um have you watched Cam Smith yet out of South Carolina? I haven't had a chance to get to Cam. No, I haven't. He's the next guy on my corner list that I have a chance to get to. Yeah, and he's polarizing because there's some people who, you know, think TDN's got him at like the 18th overall player, and then you go look at PFS board, and he's like the 60-somethingth overall player. So he's kind of – I mean, Keely Ringo's kind of like that too right now. But um, both of those guys, Cam Smith and Keely Ringo, I mean, th- those are two guys who, you know – a month ago, they were gone before 26, not a chance they'd be available. And then now they're, you know, available in these mock draft simulators at 58. 
So, you know, for me, it's just, you gotta, you gotta, it's, it's always this, this always happens this time of year where you finish the college football season. People watch tape throughout the year. They watch tape as soon as the season's over. And then you, you start finding more of the Devin Witherspoons. You start finding more of the Deontay Banks, these guys who might, you know, bump up in front of those guys, but I don't want to knock Ringo and Smith because I found guys that I like maybe a little bit more. So there's still, like I said, like that's what's great about this corner classes. There's just, I have a ton of dudes like in my top. I mean, right now I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11. I got 12 dudes in my top. 13 dudes in my top 75 at corner. That's a lot of, a lot of dudes. Yeah, you're looking at almost 20% of the right. first two and a half rounds of the draft right there is cornerbacks. Yeah. 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 And I mean, again, like DJ Turner, a guy out of Michigan who's going to run super fast. He's six foot, 181 pounds, really great athlete. Um, Tyreek Stevenson out of Miami. I, I like him. He's six foot, 214 pounds. Um, not probably as great of an athlete as some of these other guys we're talking about, but still what I would say is an above average uh, athlete, um, physical dude. It's just, you know, he has some tightness. He's not that, you know, Joey Porter, just loose, twitched up, flexible guy. Um, Kai Blue Kelly out of Stanford's a guy I like. And then I mentioned him earlier, but Travis uh, Tomlinson Hodges out of TCU is a small 5'9", 170, you know, more of a slot type of guy. Um, but just there's just so many dudes where – you know, I got six dudes that I'd be thrilled with at 26. I got six dudes I'd be thrilled with at 58. And I got six dudes I'd be thrilled with at 90. And that just, that, that's, like I said, like I said, from the start, like that's rare for the cornerback position. I feel like, I feel like it's normally, if you don't get one of those first two rounds, you know, you're kind of just getting a developmental guy that might be your fifth corner in year one, but it just, this class is so loaded that I feel like you could truly draft a starter, you know, into day three. Yeah, this is one of those spots that has the opportunity in this class to very, very seamlessly match up, you know, the three things that you need to get whenever you're talking about when you're going to make a pick, you know, in the top 50 or whatever. is Like, it's a position of need. It's a position of value. And you're going to get a really good player at that spot. You're not – Every time you talk about drafting for need, and we'll get probably have this bigger picture conversation a few times between now and the, the draft in a couple months. But anytime you talk about you know needing to prioritize a position of need to maximize the value you get out of your draft picks, people will automatically go to the idea that, well, you're going to reach for a guy who's two rounds later just because he plays the right position. And that's not the way it works at all because you never just have one position of need. And so, but there's going to be the opportunity to get a really good player at corner who will fill a need, even if you go into the season for the Cowboys and you say, okay, we feel good about the combination of Trevon Diggs, Deron Bland, Jordan Lewis, and Izzy McQuamu as our top four corners. We still want to give Kelvin Joseph some opportunity to develop and get some work. That's five. So we don't necessarily need him to be a starter. We don't need to spend our first round pick on a corner. We can wait until, you know, 56 or wait even into the third round. And there's going to be a guy that a way that it lines up in the second or third round where probably the best guy on your board is going to be a corner because there's so many of them. And it's going to be a guy that fits what you want to do and a guy you have a big grade on and a guy who's going to come in and have a chance to affect that depth chart, even though you didn't spend a top 
30 or top 50 pick on it. Yeah, no doubt. And, and I mean, again, we, we mentioned a handful of these guys who are kind of, you know, first or second round guys, but you know, Julius Brents, um, Garrett Williams, Darius Rush. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on Jalen Jones out of Texas A&M. I know he's a guy you're, you know, going to be real familiar with. What, what are your thoughts on Jalen Jones? I know some people have him, you know, as a you know top 100 player. Some people have him a little bit higher than that. And then you look at some people and they have him way down the board, you know, not even really with a draftable grade, which I think is crazy. I mean, I like Jalen Jones. I'm not super, super high on him, but I think he's kind of that guy that we – you know, you look at it and you go, okay, you know, if, if you don't get one in on day one or you don't get one in the first two rounds, maybe he's a guy, you know, at 90, if he's there, you uh, you you look at drafting him. But what's your thoughts on Jalen Jones after? I know you've seen him quite a bit, um, you know, covering Texas A&M. Yeah, Jalen is a guy who is a big, long, physical corner, had some penalty problems at A&M at different times, um, but – is I think the best way to describe him is the first few words that I use. Just a big, long, physical <laughs> corner. He's not going to necessarily blow you away with the raw athleticism, but he played a bunch of snaps in the SEC and held his own. And had one of the best pass defenses in the country this year, despite you know all the failings on the field and a bunch of other areas. Their pass defense was very good, and he was a big part of that. I was a little bit surprised when he declared early for the draft. I thought he might come back and try to have another really good year and try to bump himself up a little bit more. But, you know, he made the decision to come out. And I think he's – I think you nailed him in terms of the range on the value, where you start to consider him at 90, you know, right there in right. the third round. And then if you wind up with the ability to – if he winds up falling to day three and you get him in the fourth round, that's the guy you're looking at going, holy cow, what a fourth-round pick that was. Right. Like this is a guy who in a year or two is going to be ready to contend to be a starting quarterback – can play special teams for you very early in his career because he's a big, strong dude. And um, and he's going to contribute right away to your team and have long-term potential growth, which is what you're looking for in those fourth-round picks. And so I think that's really the value range for him is there. But like I said, just a big, long, physical corner. And we know how Dan Quinn and Will McClay and those uh, those Cowboys staff feel about those kind of guys. They're going to be thrilled with this draft class then because I feel like like you said, like, oh, the first two words I used to describe Jalen Jones are big, long, and physical. There's probably – you could use that same verbiage for, like, 30 dudes in this class. Yeah, see. exactly. And every time I turn on somebody's tape, I go, damn, he's big, long, and physical. And then I go, yeah, I go the huge. next guy. Yeah. I go, okay, he's big, long, and physical. <laughs> and it's like – I mean, it's truly – and it's funny because it's like we talked about the receivers last week, and we were like, yeah, there's a bunch of – you know, there's a handful of these big, bigger body, you know, X style guys. And then there's a bunch of these five, nine, five, 10 guys. I mean, there's, there's a couple of good five, nine, five, 10 guys. Like I said, I, I love, I love uh, Travis Hodges Tomlinson. I've said that a few times, Clark Phillips out of Utah is another, you know, undersized dude, but there's only like five or six of those undersized dudes and everybody else is six foot, six, one, six, two. You got a couple of those six, four guys in here. Um, that, that, you know, Riley Moss is a big guy who's kind of been like, oh, maybe he'll be play some safety out of Iowa. Uh, Eli Ricks is another big dude. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's crazy how many, as we keep saying, big, long physical dudes are in this, this classic corner. And again, it's a position of need. It's for the Cowboys. It's a position that they need to target because it's, you, you know, 
we've, we've talked about it a little bit here, but, you know, Trayvon Diggs is coming up for a contract extension. There's been some rumors that some people don't think that's going to go as smoothly as, well, what contract does go smoothly in Dallas nowadays, but it's not going to go as smoothly as, you know, some people are hoping. So, I mean, it's just a position that they don't have a ton of good depth at right now, and they don't know what the out, uh, long-term outlook's going to be on it. So really, Unlike the receiver position, this cornerback class is really nicely set up for the Cowboys to grab one, maybe even two quality players. And I think if there's a position that this team double dips in this year, it could be corner. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. And we, there's a name we've mentioned a few times. And he's a he's a big name in the draft class. And coming into the, the year, he was, you know, almost everybody's top corner. And that's Keely Ringo. Yeah. And I think he I think he specifically with the Cowboys deserves a little bit of a of a, of a deeper conversation in terms of with players like him, you know, we're going to use those words again, big, long, strong, physical corner who is going to run really well, but there seems like there's a little bit of question about some of the lateral ability and things like that. For a team like the Cowboys, that is honestly such a beautiful fit of if the rest of the league drops his value a little bit because of their concerns about his ability to move. The Cowboys, from a coverage standpoint, are very simple. They play a ton of cover one, they play a ton of cover three, and they play a ton of cover two. And they they almost live in those three coverages all the time. And they mix it up with the fronts and drop different guys in and out and all that kind of stuff. That's how they mix it up. But those are really the coverage structures. And when you're talking about cornerbacks that you want to play a ton of cover one, cover two, and cover three with, you you are okay with guys who are a little less laterally enabled – because in every one of those coverages, you've got help to the inside. Yep. Every single one of them, if you're playing corner. And so the only one you don't have help to the in, to the inside really is cover two. But in cover two, you are the inside help. You're trying to force the dude out of bounds to the sideline, basically. <laughs> like you're trying right. to just blow the dude off the ball. And another big, long, strong corner, put him up in somebody's face and let him disrupt and then give him safety help over the top with a split safety in cover two. And so if he can do that and disrupt the stem either inside or outside, then he's got an opportunity to be really, really good. And then when you get to cover three, he's just playing the silo in the vertical third and you get to cover one. And if you're playing with a rat player in the middle, like a linebacker playing underneath, you got help underneath in the middle. And you've got a deep post safety for help over the middle. So you don't necessarily have to be quite as laterally quick as you might be if you're playing a lot of zero or if you're playing a lot of quarters where that safety help in the middle might disappear on you to go play against somebody else. Um, there's, there's really – the fit there is unique, and it's something that's intriguing. And if, like I said, the rest of the league pushes its value down a little bit because of concerns about that kind of stuff, maybe it's somebody the Cowboys can scoop up and feel really good about the value that they get for that kind of player. Yeah. I mean, I know he's, I know he's been, like I said, kind of been knocked and pushed down boards and stuff, but man, just six two, two Oh five, you know, supposed to run fourth low four threes physical guy, you know, he's just, I mean, there's some stuff on tape where you go, huh, you know, what, what's going on here, but that's kind of what you saw with Trayvon Diggs coming out of Alabama, out of Alabama, but Ringo's going to be two tenths of a second faster and, I still think even, you know, more athletic in, in just about all his areas. So, I mean, again, some of his testing will be big, you know, you know, shuttle numbers and three cones will kind of be big to see how 
quick and twitchy he is in small areas and short area quickness and those, those type of things. But he's a sophomore, you know, he's got the size, he's got the athleticism. It's just, you know, you, you might, you might need a year for him to really develop, but man, I, I just, I think he's been getting kind of unfairly knocked down boards recently. And maybe it's a Dan Quinn effect. Maybe it's just, you know, I'm, I'm falling in love with, with the, what could be, but, uh, that's just a guy that at 26 overall, if, if you don't have one of those, you know, good receivers we talked about last week, staring you in the face and some of these other players have gone off the board, I'd still be thrilled with a, a Keely Ringo at 26. And I think that, you know, playing opposite side of Trayvon Diggs, getting coached up by Dan Quinn, I think you could you could be in in for a big prospect there if, if he does make it to you. And I mean, shoot, if he wants to be around in the second round too, I'll take that too. I I, I just have a hard time seeing a guy with his size, his his speed and playing in the SEC at Georgia, being that, you know, CB1 on the national championship team is going to allow him to hang around that long. But give them to me if that's the case. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And another guy that's, you know, there's some conversation. Is he a safety? Is he a corner? You know, is we'll go back to A&M. Is Antonio Johnson. And – He's another six foot two, you know, 200 and something pound guy. And he spent most of his time in College Station in the slot, playing basically like a big slot cornerback, which is basically, is. yeah, which is basically what the Cowboys did with Izzy McQuamu at the end of the year right. to sort of save their secondary in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, is they went with that idea of that big slot cornerback hybrid safety dude. Um, and we know Dan Quinn likes to play a bunch of big nickel type personnel. So you're going to have a safety having to play in the slot, but he also, he played some true cornerback at times earlier in his career. And another one of those big dudes who is going to be willing to step up and play against the run, which is important when you're playing in the slot. And they were, you know, the other part of that, Hey, we're going to play Izzy McQuamu in the slot is, Hey, we're going to stick Duran Bland on the outside. And we think he can live out there and be just fine. And he was. Yep. And so if they're if they're hunting more of an inside guy, there's a there's a guy there who has tape of doing it, playing man coverage, zone coverage, playing the run, blitzing as a pass rusher, all those sorts of things that you want one of those inside corners to do. And it's not a five ten, five nine guy that you have to stick there and sort of pray he can hold up against the run. Yeah. And I mean, you mentioned Antonio Johnson. That's a good name. Um right, you know, Brian Branch out of Alabama is another guy that kind of is that fits that Antonio Johnson mold as a guy who's, you know, probably going to play safety. You're going to be a nickel guy, not quite the physical prototype that Johnson is, but another guy that, like you said, could, could be drafted here to play multiple roles, play multiple positions, you know, bring that position versatility that the Dan Quinn obviously likes when, and his guys with J Ron curse, you know, Donovan Wilson, Izzy McQuamu, all those guys. There's just, again, the, the second day, you know, there's not a ton of safeties, like just pure, strong, or free safeties that I just love. But the DBs in this class, there's just a ton of guys who I think are starting players. Um, and like I, like I said earlier, I think you can get them on day one, day two, and day three, which all, well, anytime you can add starters in your secondary with a day three pick, that's a great, great thing to be able to say when you're going into and coming out of a draft. Yeah, absolutely. And when you think about the Cowboys, right? Like, this year, Antonio Brown was a starter. He was a sixth-round pick. Deron Bland became a starter. He was a fifth-round pick. Donovan Wilson was a sixth-round yeah. pick. Like, that's – it's one thing that they've been able to do is find these guys, and maybe it's because they understand the fit. They understand how these guys need to play in their system, like we were talking about before. But uh, 
they have this ability to find these guys who are able to come in and contribute. And it's a uh, – and then, I mean, Izzy Mukwamu was a, a sixth-round pick too who wound up yeah. playing a bunch of snaps for him at the end of the year and was really good. So uh, they have that ability to do that. So even though we look at corner as a relative position of need, both immediate and, you know, middle, medium to long-term, uh, just because they don't address it in the first – if they don't address it in the first day or two, that day three is where is where Will McClay has done a ton of really great work in the back half of drafts the last two years. And uh, and with the depth of this secondary class, like you were saying, it's very likely that they wind up um, that they wind up drafting a corner or two on day three, and that it's somebody that winds up being a, a really key contributor for this team early, even. Yep, no doubt, no doubt. Man, this corner class is fun, and you know we're going to get into obviously a lot more of these other positions and have some guys come. We got a bunch of interviews scheduled post combine. We we're supposed to have some guys on this week. Um, but with combine prep kind of getting rolling, um, they're probably going to push everything back to post combine and after some pro days. So if we don't have any, inter- we we should have some interviews coming up in the next week or two. But if not, we're going to have a load of them uh, after the combine. So we're excited to get those out to you guys. We're excited to continue talk about this draft class, um, and we're gonna we're gonna start. We'll probably start start next week. Possibly we'll figure it out. But uh, we'll get into everybody's favorite. We'll probably do a mock draft coming up soon kind of talk about some players at each round that we're looking for. So we're excited to do that. Excited to talk draft. Joey, this is going to be a lot of fun. Like I said, I know this is only our second time on together, but uh, we got a bunch more to talk about and a bunch more to cover, and we'll continue to do it every week. Absolutely, man. It's been fun, and it will continue to be fun over the next couple months as we take this journey. Yes, sir. We will uh, see you guys next week on the Talk in the Draft podcast. We got two two weeks before the Combine, three weeks before the Combine. So the Combine's right around the corner. Um, that's getting here quick and then we got pro days draft will be here before you know it guys we're about two months away from the draft so this thing's going to speed up get rolling uh we're excited to take the ride with you guys so make sure you check out all the shows on the blogging the boys podcast network but make sure you come back next week uh every wednesday and some interviews will come out on the weekends as talking the draft will be back next week thank you guys see you Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.